invite you to pray with me this morning. As we go to the Lord in prayer, we, we want to rejoice with uh, Dr. Matson and Sharon on the wonderful report that they received yesterday. Um, most of you have, have journeyed along with the Matsons during these difficult two years. But yesterday the report was no cancer. Sharon is back at work, and uh, we just really thank God this morning for an answer to prayer, don't we? Uh, most of you know Carol Thompson. Carol's our faculty secretary, and, and uh, Carol's husband, Sam, has been sick and has had some tests at the VA in Denver and, and uh, continue to wait for some reports from those tests. And uh, I'm sure that there's some concern there. And Carol, we want you to know that your NBC family is praying for you and for your husband, Sam, this morning. And maybe there would be some that'd like to just gather around Carol as we pray this morning. And, lift her husband up in prayer and and I'm sure there are many other requests that we bring in here this morning uh, aren't you thankful that we have a God who knows us by name and who knows where we are and loves us more than we can ever begin to comprehend we serve that type of God let's pray together our Heavenly Father today We've been reminded through song of your majesty, of your greatness, of your incredible mercy and grace, that while we were yet sinners, you called us unto yourself. And through the blood of your son, Jesus Christ, we became adopted into your family. And for that, we come before you recognizing your power and your majesty, but we gather around you as our Father who loves us and cares for us. We thank you, Father, for answered prayer. Thank you for touching our sister Sharon. Thank you, Lord, for bringing her to health. Thank you for meeting so many different needs that we have brought to you through the year. Thank you, Father, for, for being with us as a, as a campus family. And thank you for providing for us when we needed, desperately needed you to provide. You did so, and we thank you for that. And so, Father, it's, it's, it's in this confidence that we, we come and, and ask that you would be with Sam this morning. That, that the healing power of Jesus would be released in his body. We believe, Father, that your eye is upon us and, and you feel what we feel. You, you know even more than we know. And you can bring healing and we ask that you would do that today. We pray for our students. Lord, I, I ask that you would continue to to draw them closer to you and 
help them as they make the adjustments that they need to make this year. Oh, Father, just keep your hand upon them, we pray. And then we pray for our nation today. Really, we pray for our world. It seems that, that we truly need a touch from you. We truly need... We truly need a revival in our land. And we turn our face in so many directions looking for answers that it can only be found in you. And I ask, Lord, that you would guide us as a nation, that we might turn our face to you. I thank you for Dr. Toller, and I thank you for the message he brought to us last night, anointed by you, Father. And we pray that this morning you would speak through him to us. And may we receive the truth that he reveals from your word to us today. May we receive it and apply it to our hearts. And I ask this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Thank you. Well, let me introduce our speaker this morning. Uh, Dr. Terry Toller is the Vice President for Institutional Advancement and Church Relations. Uh, basically what that means is he does a lot of different things, a lot of different things. One of which is to represent the university to the more than 600 churches in the South Central region. Uh, I came to know Terry in that relationship when I was served as a district superintendent on that region. And uh, Terry quickly endeared himself to me. He's a multi-talented fellow an outstanding musician who has collaborated with some other writers in winning three Grammy Awards. Uh, his uh, his uh, music for children. In fact, we have his tape that we gave to our daughter when our first grandson came along, uh, kind of lullabies for the children. Uh, it's been translated in many, many different languages. He has served the church as a pastor. He has served the church as an associate pastor. And now he serves the church in this, this great role at, at the university there in Bethany, Oklahoma. All of that be said, let me just say that Terry is a type of guy that just lifts you when you're around him. You, after being around Terry Toller, you just feel better. You, you feel better about life. You feel better about yourself. And he's a true friend, and I'm thankful that he cut out... Uh, this is their second week of school at the university there, and for him to cut out a couple days to come and be with us, we're so thankful. So, Terry, we welcome you to NBC, and we look forward to hearing from you this morning. Would you welcome Terry Toller? Well, thank you, Dr. Graves. Uh, I not only have a great deal of affection for Harold and Cheryl, I also have the deepest respect for him as a Christian leader. And you're very, very fortunate. If you ever, if you ever get tired of him, we'll take him back on the South Central region. We'll figure out what, to, what kind of role, but it'll be a good one. So I know you'll treat him well. Uh, I love uh, Christian higher education. And I have so much respect for what you do. I think even our manual says that uh, in Christian higher education, we are the, the church at work. You are the church at work in higher education. And it's a wonderful, noble calling that uh, we will never exactly get it right, 
but it demands our very best every day to try to do what God has called us to do and, and given us the opportunity to do. So uh, faculty, uh, staff members, and administration, God bless you and thank you for this, this privilege to be, be with you. So very briefly this morning, because this is the middle of your morning, your work day, you've got things whirling, you've got to get back to, but uh, for a few moments, and thank you, Jonathan, again, for the wonderful leadership and music this morning. Don't you appreciate him? Let's give him a round of applause. Bless you. As I mentioned last evening, we're journeying with Jesus, and that's a good thing for us. Last night, we were um, at the River Jordan, and this morning, we're going to be at a wedding. John chapter 2, you'll find our text this morning, and when you found it, will you stand, please, in honor of the, the word this morning? John chapter 2, and we will um, read the first 11 verses. On the third day, a wedding took place at Canaan, Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, Now, Draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, Everyone brings out the choice wine first, and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink, but you have saved the best till now. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. This is the word of the Lord. Would you join me now for a moment of silent prayer? Pray the prayer that you need to pray about receiving God's word this morning. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. Dr. Graves was very kind in his introduction talking about uh, my modest career in music. <clears throat> uh, I've done a lot of different things in, in uh, Christian music and even secular music, but
But one of the things I always resisted doing was singing at weddings. I just thought there was good wisdom to it. Uh, I'm a fairly, I, if I do say so myself, I'm a fairly accomplished funeral singer. In fact, I've never had a complaint about my, about my, my singing at a funeral. One Sunday morning, uh, a young Korean lady had been attending our church. She she'd immigrated to the U.S. and uh, and she had found a wonderful life. Had found our church. She was just a slight little wisp of a of a woman, very tiny, almost frail looking, but she was. She was just an effervescent, bubbly kind of person, you know, and she came running up to me one Sunday morning. She said, oh, Pastor, I have good news. And I said, what is it? Her name was Quan. I said, what is it, Quan? She says, I am to be married. I said, oh, this is very wonderful. You found a new life in the U.S., a new church, and now a husband. This is good stuff. And she says, and you will sing at my wedding. <laughs> I said, no, no, no. No, I have rules about that, and I don't sing at weddings. And she started immediately to weep. She said, oh, you must sing at my wedding. And uh, women, that does work. <laughs> it, uh, you already knew that, didn't you? It does work. And, and so I said, no, 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 please, please. She said, I think about you singing at my wedding. I said, I'll, I'll do it. I'll do it. I regretted it in that moment, and I regretted it and have regretted it ever since. Well, the song they had prepared for me to sing was a, a popular song of the day by a, a group called Bread. I wasn't all that familiar with popular music, really. And, uh, but I, I did suffer from this. My mother, when we were growing up, I have two brothers, uh, we would not be allowed to sing in church until we had memorized the lyrics. She said, if you have to take it with you on a piece of paper, you're not ready yet. So I, I sought to continue that tradition, and, uh, and so I, 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 would, I thought I would just memorize this song. It's a beautiful lyric that goes like this, and you probably already know it. It's if, if a picture paints a thousand words, then why can't I paint you? Beautiful lyric. Here's what came out that day. If a face could launch a thousand ships, then why can't I launch you? <laughs> and now you know why I only sang at one wedding, <laughs> the end of my wedding career. Well, here's what I know from being a pastor for 25 years. Things go wrong at weddings and in the second chapter of John's gospel we have the account of the miracle at a wedding it is a wedding for the ages the scene has shifted from Judea where John the Baptist was baptizing and we spent some time there last evening 70 miles now to Galilee and the disciples and Jesus, they've, they've walked all this way. It's taken some time. John says three days. Maybe it's, maybe it's not just a, a bit of trivia that John includes three days because John is writing many years later. 
and he's reflecting on all that occurred during this time. And so maybe there's an even greater reason that John mentions three days in particular, this time that it took to get from Judea to Galilee, and the occasion was, of course, a wedding, an Eastern wedding. Now, being in Oklahoma, I've been a part of some Western weddings. In fact, uh, I did a wedding one time, it was a cowboy wedding. And they all came dressed in their, their finest cowboy attire. Now, I'll never forget this. When I asked the best man for the ring, his, uh, I'd noticed that his vest was kind of protruding a bit out from his body. And so when I asked for the ring, he reached in his vest and he pulled out the ring in its box and just handed me the whole box. <laughs> Western weddings are very different than Eastern weddings. In the, in, the Eastern, in the Eastern tradition, the groom is the center of the attention. Of course, we know in the Western world, the, the bride is the center of attention. The bad news for the groom in the Eastern wedding is he gets to pay for, for absolutely everything. But it's so fascinating to me, I don't know if I would have revealed the glory of the sun this way. A miracle at a wedding? I mean, what about a resurrection from the dead? That's the way to begin. That's the way to, that's the way to, to get the story going. This is the power of God, but a, a miracle at a wedding. And so Jesus does his first miracle, not at the imperial palace in Rome, not at Herod's temple in Jerusalem, not at the Acropolis in Athens. But he does his first miracle in an impoverished village in an out-of-the-way place in Cana of Galilee. Obscurity, reluctance is in the story. Someone said this about the, the water turning to wine. Someone said that when the water saw the glory of Jesus, it just blushed. And that's how the water became wine. What's true of weddings? It's true of life. Things go wrong. As we read in the scripture, sometimes it looks like the best stuff is running out. Whatever the best stuff is of life. Whatever seemed to be sufficient is running out. Whether it's health, whether it's money, whether it's time, whether it's relationships, whether it's ministry, for all of us we face the challenge of the time when it looks like the wine is running out. I remember sitting across from a very successful businessman at an outdoor cafe, and he looked across the table at me and he said, one year ago, he said, I had six figures in the bank, a title, an impressive title, a home in an elite neighborhood, lots of options. And then his company was acquired, and he was the odd man out. And now he's facing college tuition for kids and lots of other things that he had counted on were now 
iffy and jeopardy because for him looked like the wine was running out. Not long ago, a couple came to my office. I always love to see students, and I'm sure faculty and staff and administration, you love to see students coming back and connecting again. I remember these kids, oh, they're so bright, stars. They'd left school, took their first pastorate, and for the past five years, uh, they had just poured themselves into their work. And there they were in my office, and it seemed like for them the wine was running out. Five years in ministry, day and night, they had poured their lives into the work of the church, and they just weren't seeing the kind of results that they had imagined. If they gave their best effort, if they did their very best, it's like I said last night, they had actually overestimated what they could do in the short run and perhaps underestimated what God could do in the long run. And there they sat in my office, looked like the wine was running out on them. I've watched others who've struggled with finding the balance between ambition and self-acceptance. And sometimes ambition will get self-acceptance in a headlock and won't let it go. And there reaches a point in life where a person has to accept the reality that maybe if they're in pastoral ministry, they're not going to be the senior pastor of Big Deal Church. Maybe the call's not coming from up there, wherever up there is, it says you've been appointed, you've been elected, you've been named, you've been honored. And the reality sets in that the call's not coming. I've introduced these various scenarios to help us with our thinking about this very briefly. Because it's true in life, all of us face those moments where it looks like that what we have counted on it's not going to be enough. Whatever it is that we've counted on is not going to be sufficient. Last night I talked about how obedience opened heaven. I still believe that it is a triggering mechanism to the blessings of God, obedience. And we see this in this story as those around Jesus began to obey at, at his mother's bidding, do whatever he says, and they did what he said, and a miracle took place. I think that what we have in Jesus turning the water into wine is, it's, is in itself a picture of all that Jesus came to do. Jesus just took what is and said, what is can be more. What is has possibility. It can be something else. So what you have on hand can be the ingredient in the miracle he wants to perform in your life. So, so whatever is tired, whatever is worn out, whatever is devoid of joy, whatever is empty, whatever is lacking purpose can be turned 
into something else if it's surrendered to him. Here's where I think it applies to where we are today. Jesus can bring new life. So often we focus on our insufficiency. Have you ever sat around in one of those uh, touchy-feely kind of groups where they, they make you write down what you're good at? Have you ever been in those kinds of things like strength finders or something and you sit around the table and they shove paper in front of you and say, now write down what you're good about. It's almost 100%. Everybody struggles with writing down what they're good at. They're, they're just reluctant to say. But if you ask people to write down what they're not good at, they will fill up the page in the backside too. It's an illustration of how we view our sufficiency and we know. We know we don't have enough. But here's what I believe with all my heart. He can take the stagnant and the stale in our lives. Whatever's failed to live up to its potential and renew it if it's given to him. It's true for NBC students. Those who are near right here and those who are far away, it's true for them. It's true for staff members. It's true for faculty members. It's true for the administration. And I know for some of you that's hard to believe. I'm an administrator and I know all about this. But it's true. It's true for all of us. Let me tell you one more wedding story. As a pastor, I had a wedding coordinator. Uh, I was at Oklahoma City First Church for about 14 years. And uh, because it was such a beautiful sanctuary, a lot like this sanctuary, it was the place people wanted to get married. I mean, we had lots of, lots of weddings at Oklahoma City First, wedding coordinator. And I depended on the wedding coordinator to take care of a lot of details, including if communion was a part of the wedding ceremony that the elements would be there when I arrived on the platform. I didn't have to worry about it, didn't have to think about it. And I don't remember who the couple were, but in this ceremony, there was, uh, there was communion set aside. And, and, and while it was a private communion, not exactly my preference, but I, I did that kind of thing, the, the, the music was being played, a song was going on, and during that private time with them, I would share the Lord's table with this couple. And so as I, I did the setup for the Lord's table, and then I looked at this little table to my left, and much to my horror, nothing was on the table. It's empty. Oh, great. <laughs> so I stood there for a moment, cooled my jets, and then I leaned in to this dear couple who's oblivious. And I said, uh, we have a problem. So we have no communion elements. So here's what I need for you to do. Just remain here quietly and listen to the song, and then I will pray. And then I'll have you stand. And so they agreed. About that time I looked up and here came, here came the ring bearer down the center aisle, boy about five years old. And in one hand he had a goblet. 
And in the other hand, he had a little tray with bread on it. And the little guy marched right up on the platform, walked over that little table, set it down, looked up at me, and zipped off the platform, presumably to receive a handsome reward. <laughs> so I stood there and just kind of took it in for a moment. And then I leaned into the couple and I said, he's done it again. A miracle at a wedding. <laughs> Follow me carefully. I don't know this for sure, but I do know a lot about human nature. There may have been some at the wedding who looked around and said, this party's going nowhere. This is a losing cause. And they decided to leave. They decided to leave and they were that close to experiencing a miracle of God. That close. And they said, let's get out of here. This thing's winding down. The best has already been. Time to get your coat and go. And they left realizing, not realizing they were on the brink of a miracle. And so what I'd like to say to you this morning is, and I'll get to the so what part in just a second. No matter where you are this morning, no matter if you're out of wine, no matter if it seems like joy has been drained from your life, or maybe hope is missing, no matter if it seems like the party's on the verge of ending too soon, Jesus stands ready to transform and change your life. And here's the so what part of the message. Jesus is still at the party. I don't know where you want to be. But I want to be at the party with Jesus. Don't leave. Whatever that means to you. Don't leave. On the brink of a miracle because for the believer for the believer this party has scarcely started do you believe that there may be someone here this morning and you're in need of a miracle and I'd like for Johnson to come and let's sing this expression again. I love you, Lord. Maybe we can just do it with our voices. Maybe just give us a key and maybe we just do it with our voices. Why don't you stand? And if you have a need to pray, I wouldn't tell you what to pray. I don't know what you should pray.
This may not apply to you. Maybe not today. But I guarantee you, it will apply sometime. Let's sing together. I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice to supply of the Father and the support of the Holy Spirit and the all-sufficiency of Christ be with you as you go in His name. God bless you.